Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Thank you, Jesus. He is for us. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We thank you, God, that you are for us. We take this time to acknowledge you. We acknowledge your presence. God, thank you for being here. Thank you for touching us. Thank you for ministering. Thank you for healing right now. Thank you for delivering. Thank you for providing. Thank you for meeting our needs. Thank you for ministering to us. Thank you for taking up residence in our hearts. God, thank you. Thank you for your habitation in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for being for us, God. When the world is against us, you're for us. When the world says no, you say yes. God, when the world says we can't, you say we can. When the world says there is no answer, you say I'm your answer. God, we thank you, we glorify you, we magnify you in this place. And we lift your name, Jesus, we lift your name. Oh, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, man. That's what it's all about right there. Thank you, Jesus. That's why we come to church. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 You could be seated this morning. Hallelujah. Oh, I pray that those that are watching online, that you felt that spirit as well, that you felt Holy Spirit come into your home, into your front room, into your bedroom, into your car, wherever you're at. I pray that he touched you. Amen. He, the great thing about God is he knows no distance. He's not, he's not limited by a room or by a building, by an atmosphere. He is God. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. We want to welcome everybody that's here. We're glad for you. First of all, we, we just want to take a moment and release all the teenagers, teenagers, youth, uh, junior high, high school. You are uh, free to go out into the youth room. They're going to have class out there. Also, just a couple things that I wanted to make mention of before we get into our message today. First of all, I just want to remind everybody about Christmas Child, the boxes. You've seen the display out in the foyer. You can pick up a box. The instructions of what you need to do are in there. Um, You could do that. Uh, Of course, if you need information about that, you could see my wife, Kathy, and she will make sure, or you'll see Rosemary or Alex Chadsey, and they'll make sure that you know what's going on or Valerie, um, uh, you, uh, Valerie Slater, you could touch those people and they'll help you with that. Also, I want to do something uh, this morning. Um, Wednesday is Veterans Day, and I want to take a moment this morning, and I just want to acknowledge and personally thank all the veterans. If you're a veteran, would you stand to your feet in this place, all across this place? Amen. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Would you just remain standing just for a moment? Just remain standing just for a moment. I'd like to pray over you. I'd just like to pray over you. Let's, let's stretch our hands out right now. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you so much for these men and women, God, that are standing. We thank you, Lord, for their service, God. We thank you that, Lord, in, in very difficult times of our history, they, they stepped up to, the, up to the plate and they said, I will serve, I'll serve my country. And Father, that it's not lost on us. And so today, Lord, we honor them. We honor them and we thank them. And Father, we ask that you bless them. Bless, God, their homes, their families. God, bless all that they put their hand to, God. And Father, today and the next few days as we remember Veterans Day, let them feel that honor, God, that comes from you. Lord, that you are proud of them, that, that, that they, 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 they were your servants, God, in those moments and times. And Father, we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So once again, thank you. You could be seated. We do honor you today. Uh, even though today is not exactly Veterans Day, Wednesday is, but I, I wanted in this Sunday service to be able to do that and to honor you. Also, I want to make mention that you'll see out in the foyer, uh, Dermon uh, Blacknick will be out there. You'll see his stand, his speaker's world. We just finished up with a graduation, 
And I'm going to tell you, this was off the hook. These graduations, the testimonies that came, uh, just they, they're moving, they're powerful. And so if you would like to um, be a part of the next round of classes that signups are going on right now, I encourage you, if you weren't able to get into the one before uh, uh, the list last round, get into this one. It's a tremendous thing, and you'll find that uh, God will do a great work and help you. It's, it's, it's much more. If you ask anybody that goes through the class, it ends up being much more than just learning how to share your testimony or how to do public speaking. There's some depth to it. There is some real uh, encouragement in it. So sign up uh, as you're going out of the building today. Can you say amen to that? Hallelujah. Well, this morning, uh, wow, today is just an awesome day. I mean, that, that, that song service, uh, almost have to take a deep breath uh, and uh, to move on. Amen. But I do believe this morning that God has a word for us. So this morning, we're going to continue. It's funny, I was writing this uh, sermon and uh, had actually wrote the introduction. And in my first line of the introduction, I said, uh, as we bring this sermon series to a close. So I was actually going to close it this week, but I'll let you know there's going to be one more because that's just the way God, God does things. And, uh, and so I had to go back and I had to make sure I changed it because I didn't want to say, you know, we're closing it and then, and then have to repent later. Uh, So we are going to continue our series entitled Encouraging Yourself in the Lord. And in the last two weeks, what we've done is we've taken some time to look at the importance of being able to encourage yourself in the Lord during difficult times. And I don't don't think there's a more appropriate season of life uh, than we're living now than uh, to have this as a reality in our life. We, you know, we, we're living through some very strange times, and, and uh, uh, it's important that we are able to go back to God and be able to find that encouragement and that strength that we need that maintains the, the position that we have in Christ, that we, that we don't sell out, that we don't, you know, uh, get fatigued or tired or quit, or, but that we would actually rise to the challenge that's before us and bring about the purposes of God. Can you say amen to that? Oftentimes, the ability to mentally, emotionally, and spiritually rise above the difficult circumstances in our life is the key to maintaining victory. It really is a key. You know, one of the things that I'm becoming more and more aware of in this process of growth in my life is how much God wants me to be a part of the process. And now, look, at it's, it's not about performance. It's not about earning anything. It's not about how well I do. It's about the fact that God wants to partner with me. God wants to work with me. He likes being with me. It's one thing to say God loves us. It's another thing to say God likes us. He likes my company. He likes your company. He likes being with you, and he wants you involved in the process. And so this ability to be able to rise up mentally, emotionally, spiritually really is a key to our victory to maintaining the victory that has already been purchased. How many know that Jesus purchased, he, he won the victory, he gained it, and then he gave it to us, but it is ours, it's now our victory that we need to maintain. We need to keep it and maintain it. Can you say amen? And the Bible tells us that when David was at the end of his rope, when he had no more power to weep, The Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Now listen to me, and I want you to listen, and I want you to be open, I want you to open your mind and your heart to what I'm saying. Listen, he did not complain. I haven't forgotten where I'm at, it's a fact. He didn't complain. He did not blame. He did not accuse. He did not deny nor did he get angry. What did David do? He sought God. He didn't blame. He didn't complain. He didn't accuse. He didn't deny. He didn't get angry. (coughs) What did he do? He 
sought God, he found strength in his relationship with the Father. And in his communion with God, he found a plan for recovery, a strategy for victory. Too many Christians are devaluing their relationship with God or they're devaluating their, their stance because they move into complaint, they move into blaming and anger and, and, and accusing and denying all this stuff. The, the finger pointing's got to stop. Can you say amen? amen. Yes. What we need to do is we need to get back to God and commune with Him. Because it's in that, it's in that process, it's in that reality that we find the plan and the strategy that God has for our lives. We have the church in many ways has come to actually look at complaining and blaming and accusing as spiritual gifts. They are not. Communing with God is where all spiritual gifts grow. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Then last week, what we saw was the secret to Jesus' success that in many ways, like David, he got alone with the Father. The Bible said he often withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. We know that Jesus had an enormous amount of pressure in stress on his life. There's no doubt that Jesus felt the weight. He knew what he was going to do. He knew what was, gonna, was coming. He knew that he was the savior of the world. He knew the price that he was going to have to pay. He knew that, that when he healed the sick that multitudes would come. He knew all that was going on. And in his humanity, he still had to find himself within the confines of a relationship with his father. And he went often alone to recharge the battery. He went and he prayed. Here's the bottom line. Without, listen to me, without a consistent habit of getting alone with God, we will never really be able to encourage ourselves in the Lord. This is the thing you've got to understand. See, church, one of the things that we've got to do is we've got, we have to resist, we must resist superficial Christianity. You say, well, what is superficial Christianity? That is Christianity that has a form of godliness, but it denies the power. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It looks good on the outside, but on the inside, it's still filled with dead man's bones. So what we have to do is we have to come into this place where we say, look it, I'm going to, I'm going to get alone with God. I, I'm, I'm not just going to settle for once a week where I go into a service and make sure the hired holy man does his job and, and, and make sure he feeds me. But no, I have an ongoing relationship with God that strengthens me and nourishes me and helps me. And without a consistent habit, a lifestyle, of getting alone with God, we'll never really encourage ourselves in the Lord. Without regular time alone with God, the best that we can hope for is persistent struggle. Listen to what I'm saying. Getting alone with God in the secret place of your heart doesn't just happen. You're not going to be walking along, cruising through life, and find yourself alone with God. You're not going to trip over this principle. You're going to have to make a decision. Because look, at there are a lot of things in this life that are vying for your attention. There's a lot of things that want to hold your attention. Some of them good, some of them bad. But none of them as important as God. And they will try to pull you and they'll try to sway you and they'll try to push and shove and your flesh will even agree and go, well, this feels good. But somewhere what we have to do is we have to come into a place where we say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to make a good quality decision because in this moment, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get alone with God. Now, this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to move on and look at a couple more things that are very practical in nature that we can do. Now, we understand in the context of encouraging ourselves in the Lord, getting alone with God is probably 
the first thing we do. Because think about David. Just, let's just think about this for a moment. The Bible tells us when he was in great distress and he had no more room to cry, he was completely beside himself. What did he do? He made a decision to get alone. So encouraging ourselves in the Lord begins with a decision to get alone with God. Church, I cannot stress enough this principle of being intentional. Deliberate. You Look at, there are people here today that are struggling with habits. There are people here struggling with issues of sin. There are people here struggling with emotional, mental, and physical uh, uh, issues of life that torment. You are not going to get out of them by chance. You're not, it's, it, what, see, one of the things that we wait, we do is we wait and we hope that one day everything's going to clear up. Let me tell you something. Let me give you a principle. If you have a car that's broke down and you go put it in your garage and you wait five years, do you know what you're going to have? A broken down car. We understand this idea in every other aspect of life. If you're going to lose weight, what do you have to do? Here, I'm going to give you a diet plan. Eat less, move more. That's it, simple. Eat less, move more. You could say, well, I hope one day that my metabolism kicks in and just eats everything up. It won't do it. It's not going to do it. If, you wanna, if you're here and you're single and you want a wife or a husband, what do you have to do? You have to put yourself out there. You've got you to gotta put the foo-foo juice on, comb your face, brush your teeth you know, more than once a week and say, you know what, I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm going to go find me a wife or a husband. There's deliberate, if you're going to get a job, you know, a J-O-B, not the book of Job, but job. What do you have to do? You have to go put in an application. There's teenagers everywhere that are waiting for the magic call to come that's not coming because nobody's looking for you. It's called intentionality. We understand this. If you want to eat, let's say you don't want to lose weight. Let's say you want to gain weight. You still got to move less and eat more. It's still intentional. Everything in life is intentional. I didn't get this, I didn't wake up this big. It's not like I fell out of bed one day and went, Kathy, what happened? You want to know? Okay. Back in the day, long time ago when we first got married, we used to go out to eat a lot. Wednesday night, we would go to Bob's Big Boy right down here, and we'd have a double-double, and we would have a salad bar and dessert at 9 o'clock at night. And we did it deliberately. Somebody said, do you want to go to Bob's Big Boy? Yes. Put the key in the car and went. And then all of a sudden, slowly but surely, line upon line, fat cell upon fat cell, I grew. It was a choice. If you want to get out, you get out the same way you got in. You make a choice. Deliberateness. So, this morning, we got to make some choices about being deliberate. So, getting alone with God is intentional. The second thing that we need to learn to do is what's called practicing the presence of the Lord. Now, I want to say something that this, what we're about to talk about, is probably the most important thing in the list is practicing the presence. The greatest promise that God has ever made to you and I is, to, is the presence that will be with us, is to be present with us. The other day in prayer, it was Tuesday, um, I had an experience, and I don't often ta- talk about the experiences that I have because most of them are for me. They're between me and God. But this particular experience was something that I knew that had more weight to it, <clears throat> and I knew that it had uh, uh, more than just me in mind. But I was in prayer, and I had come to the place in my time of prayer where I was just putting my mind on God and focusing and meditating on Him and His Word. And in my mind's eye, I had a vision. Now, I'm not going to say it was an open vision where everything disappeared and all of a sudden I'm seeing this scene, but inside my spirit, in my mind's eye, my imagination, I could begin to see, and it was, it was taking on a life of its own. 
And what I saw is I saw a room. It was a very dark room. In fact, in many places, it was dark black. And I could see a presence in the room. I could see a person in the room. And the person was undescript. In fact, you couldn't even see uh, the details of the person. They were kind of in what's called grayscale, if you know about uh, printing. It's grayscale. It was just gray. There was a person there. And this person had a, in their hand, they had a sword in their hand. And they're swinging the sword violently. And they, it's obvious that, that they are, 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 are under attack and they're defending and they're chopping and they're cutting and they're swinging. And I realized in that moment that the person that I was seeing was me. Then all of a sudden, in this, in this little vision that I'm having, I could see, and it was the most vivid, brilliant, dark green that I ever saw. These plants and vines were coming in from the right side of where I was standing. And they were coming in, and they were entangling around my legs and my chest and my head. And I was violently swinging, and I was cutting. And the harder and more intense I got in swinging and cutting, the more intense and the faster that the vines and the weeds were overwhelming me. Then all of a sudden, I saw from the left-hand corner of the room, in the upper left-hand corner, a very soft, warm light. It was not brilliant. It was not overwhelming, but it was, it was comfortable. It was warm, and it, it began to glow. And as that light came into the room, I noticed all of a sudden these vines, these things that were overwhelming me, begin to flee with a, with a speed that was, was remarkable. I mean, in seconds, they were all gone. And I remember the Lord spoke to me and he says, my presence will overwhelm whatever is overwhelming you. And he spoke that to me. And then he spoke this. He said, John, he says, I want you to seek and pursue my presence. And then he says, and my wisdom. And I went, wow. And that began to to move me on this trail. And this is kind of why this sermon has, has come to life. Because I believe today one of the things that we need is we need to be in pursuit of the presence. We need to learn to practice the presence of the Lord. Now listen to this in Psalm 27, verses 1 through 5. And I'm reading in the New Living Translation. It says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. So why should I be afraid? The Lord protects me from danger. So why should I tremble? When evil people come to destroy me, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will know no fear. Even if they attack me, I will remain confident. Then he says, the one thing that I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to delight in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. For he will conceal me there when trouble comes. He will hide me in the sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. For David, for David, in his time, the house of the Lord was where the presence of God was. I want you to think about this. In the Old Testament, the presence of God was everything. If you read the Old Testament, you'll find out that the presence, in fact, the Ark of the Covenant was often called the Ark of Presence. And when David finally got the Ark back to Jerusalem, the reason that he was so ecstatic, the reason that he's out dancing in his underwear that was so offensive to his wife was because finally the presence of God was back in its rightful place. Here's an interesting note. Micah, or Michael, was offended by David's celebration of the presence of God, and it rendered her barren. Whenever we are offended by worship that is brought on by the presence of it will render us barren. That's why worship is so powerful. God's not joking when he talks about his presence. Can you say amen? We need to celebrate and embrace the presence of God. Moses, the Bible tells us, turned down angelic presence as a substitute. God offered to give them the presence of an angel. But Moses said, no, you remember the story. 
God finally got so fed up with the children of Israel, he told Moses, he says, look it, I'm going to let you guys go. I'm going to let you go into the promised land. I'm going to send this angel with you, but if I go with you, I'm going to end up killing them. That's kind of John's reinterpretation. And Moses said, no, no. This is something we got to get a hold of, church. We got to grab this with both hands and we got to rejoice in it and be satisfied. We cannot afford to have church without the presence. We can't afford to have life without the presence. For Moses, anything less than the presence of God was unacceptable because the presence of an angel was never going to be a good substitute for the presence of God. In fact, what he says in Exodus 33:15, he says, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't bring us up from here. In other words, what he was saying is he said, God, I would rather wander in the desert with you than to go into my promise without you. Yeah. Are you hearing that today? Oh, yeah. For us today, the presence of God is just as significant but the problem is, is it goes so often unappreciated. See, we have prioritized seeking the things of God and the things that God gives rather than seeking the presence of God. Listen, church, this is, this is so important. We must learn to seek his presence above all else. I know this can be so very confusing because, after all, God, God really, the Bible tells us that he's always with us, isn't it? The Bible tells us that right now he's in this room, isn't he? The Bible tells us that God will neva, ne, 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 never leave us or forsake us, right? The Bible tells us that he is with me. He is with me to the ends of the earth. And it can be confusing. And we may intellectually be aware that God is everywhere, that he's omnipresent. But when you focus on the fact that he's right here with you right now, even at this very moment, your, per your perception shifts on his awareness. Instead of looking for the thing that he can provide, rather than looking for the thing that he can do, we look for him. Yeah. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm not saying that praying for the things that God has provided is wrong. I'm simply saying, let's not worship the answer more than the one answering. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Listen, he's not only our Savior, but he's Emmanuel, God with us. As soon as we open our heart to include the Lord, the peace that God promises will flood us it'll be a gentle sense that somebody else is with us. It's, in the, it's, it's just like driving a car. Have you ever driven a car and had somebody in the back seat? You don't always see them, but you know they're there. That's what we need. We need to be aware that God is here. It's amazing to me how backwards that we have it. Listen to what I'm saying. It's so amazing because in normal or in common Christianity, we are forever embracing all of the tools, all of the methods, all of the principles, all of the philosophies, and all the promises in the Bible, which is good. There's nothing wrong with that. But without a relationship, without the presence of God, without the relationship that we experience through the presence of God, all of those things become little more than religious calisthenics. We all know people that pray incessantly and nothing happens. We know people that read the Bible and nothing happens. We know that people could quote scripture, but nothing happens. What is lacking? Have you ever asked yourself that question? What's lacking? What's lacking is this connection and relationship. We must first pursue the heart of God. You know, I was thinking about that as I was meditating all on what God was showing me and even the thought of pursuing God. I, I, I got checked on because see, somewhere what I can do is I can make my pursuit of God religious. Really, what the issue is, what we need to do is we need to learn to surrender to him. We need to open our lives in every way, on every level, and listen, acknowledge 
him in all our way. I want you to think about this. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 says, Trust the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all your way, and he will direct your path. Now, this word acknowledge is the Hebrew word yada, Y-A-D-A. It's the same word that, that God used to describe Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and had Cain. Okay. Now, what we do is we tend to look at the results or the fruit of what's happening to make the interpretation of the word. So we, what we've done is we've taken this word yada and we've, we've reduced it down to a physical relationship between a man and a woman. But that is exactly what it's not. What this is, is this is an expression of intimacy. Into me you see. It's openness where we acknowledge and we are aware. And it's from that place in a marriage relationship that we come into the physical relationship. But it's in that place, that acknowledgement that says, God, I'm aware of you, that you are in this place, that you are with me. When I go to Safeway, you are there. When I go to the DMV, you are there. When I'm needing, when I'm needing bread, you are with me. When I'm putting gas in my car, you are there. God, your presence is with me. When I, when I get a, a good parking spot, you know what, God, that's you giving me faith. When, when, when I get a refund from some obscure place I didn't know about, you know what, God, that's you in my life. I'm acknowledging you in my life. And listen, church, if we can't acknowledge him in the little thing, you will never acknowledge him in the big thing. We are forever trying to get him to do something big. It's not because we want the big thing. We just simply want to prove that he's there. And he says, no, no, I'm not going to do a sign for you, but how about you pay attention to me right here? How about you open your eyes and realize that I'm here right now? That I'm right here with you. (laughs) Isaiah 26.3 says, The Lord will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him. It's the same thought. It's my mind is on him. The word stayed literally means to grab a hold. It means don't let go. It means to be like a bulldog. When you stay fixed on God, you will never suffer lack. You'll never suffer loss. You'll never suffer fear. Why? Because now, because I know there's always going to be somebody, I promise you, somebody will come to me and go, well, you know, I've had my mind on God and I did lack. And hey, you know what? There were people in the Bible that went through famine. But did you notice the people that kept their mind on God while they went through famine, they also sowed and got a hundredfold increase? Did you notice that? Did you know that the circumstances were no longer in control? Yeah, they had to endure some things, but God had answers through it. Can you say? Amen. Because they kept their mind on God and they acknowledged his presence. Psalm 91.1 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. See, I believe the, the majority of problems that people have is because they're just not aware of God's presence. And let me see if I can make this, this fit a little bit better. What I'm saying about aware of God's presence, it's not because we don't like God or because we don't want to acknowledge God or we got some sort of attitude. You know what really is, church, what it boils down to? Is we just forget. We just get busy. I'm distracted. It's like, oh, you're sitting there, God. Oh, well, I didn't even know you were there. Holy cow, you've been here the whole time. I hope you weren't here about five minutes ago when you heard me talking. Wow. You ever been telling a tale on somebody and all of a sudden you figure out somebody's in the room? You go, oops. Well, what I just meant that in the kindest way. I I said you were an idiot to this guy because I just wanted to be kind to you. Sometimes we just forget. We get busy. We get driving in our truck, our car. We get doing our thing. And we forget that the creator of the universe lives within us. We get doing things we ought not to do. And he gets to watch. That's a whole nother sermon. If you were aware 
You know, there was an old saying, and I believe it's very true, it's watch behaviors change behavior. <laughs> it's certainly true with children. It's certainly true with adults. So that covers the spectrum, doesn't it? If you are aware that God's watching, it would change you in ways that you can't even imagine. And I'm not talking about a guilt-shame thing. I'm talking about when you're aware of God. You know what you felt in that song service today? I, I don't know if you felt it. I was moved. I mean, all of a sudden, it became real. It's these lyrics, God's for me. He's for me. He's not just for me, he's for my children and my children's children and my children's children's children to a thousand generations. And that he wants to smile. And all of a sudden, I became aware that my God in heaven, if he don't love any of you, he loves me. Amen. Yeah. Me, I can't help you. He loves me. presence of God in our lives becomes the sustaining power behind all that the Bible reveals. So often we are going to encourage ourselves in the Lord. What we have to do is practice the presence. We have to. We have to, we have to look at the little thing and go, you know what, God, you're right here. You're right here. I don't want to go, I don't want to go anywhere without you, God. I want to be aware of you. And I, and I know at first it's going to be a little weird because you're going to feel a little hypocritical. You're going to feel a little super spiritual. And I know that there's the people that, you know, they have the language for it and they don't, their lifestyle doesn't match up to it. Don't worry about all of that. Just simply acknowledge him. You don't got to acknowledge him to all of you. You just got to acknowledge him to your heart. You go, you know what, thank you, God. We had a really great 830 service. And when I got done, I went into the office I just said, wow, God, you did it again. Wow, I know who I am, but it's better to know who he is. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The second thing is meditating on God's word. So many born-again believers miss out on the overcoming victory that Jesus has provided because they find themselves under circumstances instead of on top and they can't figure out why. It's in part because they've never understood the foundational truths found in the Word about living successfully a Christian life. Are you hearing me? Because they've never understood the importance of why meditating or pondering or contemplating the Word of God. The Word of God is without a doubt, without a doubt, one of the most important things that we could put in our life. It is right up there on the list. It's right next to Him. Probably there's not much separation. But yet we are forever neglecting the Word. We need to encourage ourselves. When we, I should say, when we encourage ourselves, it begins no doubt by his presence, but it also must include his word. Listen, I got a few verses and then we're, we're almost done, okay? In Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through 22, I want you to listen to this. He says, My son, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes, keep them in the midst of your heart for they are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. Now, the first thing I notice here is, I, and you need to see this, because if you were to go to a doctor today and this doctor said, I have a brand new cure, I have found it, I have discovered it, it cures everything that ails you. It doesn't matter what it is, a, a hangnail or cancer, no matter what you have, if you take this prescription as directed, you will be completely healthy. And guess what we would do? We would in droves be running to the pharmacy to get that stuff. In fact, it happens all the time. We often laugh about it, but when people are very desperate, they will hear of magic cures. They will hear of, of very obscure doctors out in some place, and what will happen is they'll say, oh, you know what? We got this new thing. If you, you, know, you take gasoline and coconut oil and you rub it on top of your head, it cures foot fungus. And all of a sudden, there's people rubbing gasoline and coconut oil on their head 
Their feet still stink and their hair's fallen out. But somewhere along the line, it was the most promising cure, and so they went for it. I want to give you a cure. I want to give you a prescription. I'll read it again. My son, give attention. Pay attention to my word. Incline your ears to my saying. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. They will be life to them that find them and health to all their flesh. It is a prescription for healing. It is what will heal you. The Word of God is medicine. And He says, pay attention. Pay attention. Give it attention. You know, I said I wasn't going to do it, but I'm going to do it again anyway. I did it at 8.30, and I'm just going to go off on a little bit of a tangent, hopefully not too long. I got kind of miffed last night because I'm watching Facebook. Man, we got to give, we got to, we need to shut Facebook down. I, I, yeah. Anyway, I'm watching Facebook, and you know, there's all of the people out there that are putting all of their thoughts out. And you know, the thing is, is I don't mind people having opinions about stuff and putting their thoughts out. What bothers me is when people get onto these thoughts that are not biblical, and they go, that's right, that's God. And then they use this statement, if people don't understand this, they need to go read their Bible. And I think in my mind, I told Kathy this in driving to church today, I said, I think the people that need, say they need, uh, we need to read the Bible, they need to read the Bible. Okay, uh, let me just say this to you today. I know that we're living in some weird times as far as the election and all that's going on. But you understand, you, how many, let, let's, uh, let, me, let me do this, let me see. How many believe the Bible? Raise your hand, raise your hand if you believe the Bible. Most everybody, there's a few of you that are reluctant. That's okay. Most of us believe the Bible. Well, I'm gonna, I wanna tell you something. You can read it later, I challenge you to do so. Ro Romans chapter 13. It says this, it's interesting, it says that all authority is given by God. And everyone in the place of authority is put there by God. Wow. Really? Really? Now, I don't know. I know there's people that go, well, wait a second. What about our choice and the election and all this? I don't know how man's choice with God's sovereignty works together, but God does. That's above my pay grade. So there's a lot of things in the Bible that's about man's choice and God's sovereignty, and I don't know how they all go together. I just simply trust that they do because I trust my Father in heaven. And then there's been people that came up to me after service and they said, well, you know, there's commentaries that say that this is really about spiritual authority, it's not about civic authority. Until you read the last verse of the context that says the reason that you pay your taxes is so that you can pay these people that are in authority. And then you realize, wait a second, this isn't really about spiritual authority, it's about governments and police departments and all this stuff, and it says they are the servants of God. And all of a sudden, what we want to do now is we want to bash maybe we ought to read our Bible that's just my tangent be careful what you agree with on Facebook church Jesus said this above all love you know, one of the interesting things is he said this. This is in the Word of God. You can look it up, Matthew chapter 5, verses about 42 or so. He says, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. He says, but I say, love your enemies. What is an enemy? Anyone that's opposed to me. He says, not only love them, pray for them, bless them, and do good to them. Anything short of that is not biblical. I'll let that sit. Joshua 1.8 says, this book, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do all according that's written in it. For then, for then, for then, you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. The road to prosperity and success is through meditation of the Word of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Psalms 1, 1 through 3 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, 
nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. See, a tree that's planted by the river doesn't ever know there's a drought. That river is the Word of God. As we begin to take this down, and, you know, Jason can come if he wants to, I, I, I want to begin to bring this into just a little bit deeper revelation. In 2 Peter 1, 2 through 4, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises that through these you may be able to be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Go back to the middle, middle statement. He has given to us all things, all things, underline all things, that pertain to life and godliness. Everything we need we have. He's already deposited it in our account, everything for life and godliness. We already have it. It's already ours, and it comes through knowledge of him, through knowledge of him. This is important, and I want you to think about this. See, when we believe in Jesus, one of the miracles that takes place is that through faith in him, we are given revelation, knowledge, and understanding. Are you hearing me? Faith in him enables us to see clearly and to walk in wisdom. What did he tell me? He said, seek presence and my wisdom. Proverbs 4, 4 through 7 says, he also taught me and said to me, let your heart retain my words. In other words, we're to retain, we're to hold his word in our heart. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Don't forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her for she will preserve you. Love her and she will keep you. Wisdom Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. In all you're getting, get understanding. Wisdom is the principal thing. You want healing? Get wisdom. You want provision? Get wisdom. Are you hearing it? How does that connect? You want prosperity? You want, you want deliverance? Get wisdom. How do we get wisdom? We get it through the knowledge of him. We get it by meditating on him. Wisdom comes through us coming to this place where we meditate on him, where we put our mind. See, what is meditation? A lot of people say, well, meditation is about emptying your mind. Not Christian meditation. Christian meditation is about filling your mind with him. It's about thinking, putting your mind on him. He keeps us in perfect peace. When our mind is stayed on him, we take the word of God, we put it in our mind. We don't empty our mind, but we dwell on, we meditate on, we fill our mind. We fill our mind with him, his works, his ways, his, his, his person. We give attention to him. That's what meditation is. But it's interesting. The word at meditation in the Hebrew literally means to mutter. You say, what does that mean? I'll show you. He's for me, he's for me, he's for me, he's for me. He, God in heaven, the creator of heaven and earth, the one that spoke sun be, light be, and light was, the one that hung the stars that we can't even measure, the one that calls all the stars, all trillions of them, galaxies, trillions of galaxies, he calls every star by name, his word says. He knows every name. That is the one that is for me, for me, in the midst of my insanity, in the midst of my craziness, in the midst of my failures and my shortcomings. He's for me. I'm his child. He's for me. He's for me. He's for me. He's for me. There's nothing I can't do. Why? Because he is for me. He's for me. That is meditation. In this sense, meditation becomes the process of our dialogue with God. We begin to think a verse of scripture that I have, I used it today, that I've been meditating on for a year or better. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Everything, what's your heart? It's the central, it's the core of my being. 
It is the central place of my will and my emotions. It's where my thought life exists, my heart. It's the place of my personality. It's my desires, my dreams, everything that's about me. Trust him with all of that. I trust him with my dreams and my destiny and my, my future. I trust him with my children and my wife. I trust him with my, my church. I trust him with all my heart. And I don't lean to my own understanding. I, I don't think it through very well. I, I don't figure it out. I don't know all the information. There's details that I don't have that I can't think it through. But I can trust him. And so I'm, because of that, I'm going to acknowledge him in all my way. Everywhere I go, doesn't matter where I go, the post office, Safeway, the gas station, to school, to church, wherever I'm at, I'm going to acknowledge him. God, you are with me. Lord, you're in the car with me. You are in my bedroom. You are in my bathroom, for heaven's sakes. God, you are with me everywhere I go you are with me and you God will lead me all my way you will guide my steps in my path and you know what Lord I will be encouraged because you're with me you are not only in front of me you're behind me you give me weapons for warfare and by your presence you empower them and you make me stand and you encourage me and you strengthen me and you know what when the enemy comes in like a flood God you raise up a standard against him he comes in one way and the enemy will flee seven ways God, you are for me. You are for me. And when I do that, everything changes, church. David encouraged himself in the Lord. What did he do? He got alone with God. He practiced the presence. He acknowledged him. And then he meditated on his word. What has God already said? And next week, I'm going to tell you three more things to do. And we'll end it but I believe this will change your life. Can you say amen? amen? Bow your heads with me for a moment. Father, we thank you so much. God, we thank you, God, for your goodness and your grace. We thank you, God, that you've given us this revelation. Father, help us, God, encourage us. God, help us to pay attention to you, to pay attention to your word, to acknowledge you in all our way, to meditate on your word. Father, we thank you for it. I pray that you go with each and every one today, God. Be with them, bless them, help them, encourage them. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you stand to your feet all across this place, amen. We're going to release you and let you go. I apologize for keeping you a little bit longer today. But you know what? Go, have a great day. Enjoy one another. Enjoy your Saturday, Sunday afternoon. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.